Hi, in today's episode, we have Sudhir Kastliwal. Sudhir Kastliwal is an accomplished jeweler, photographer, and collector, born in Jaipur. He belongs to the sixth generation of royal jewelers. Sudhir Kastliwal is the eldest of the three brothers, and he began working at the Gem Palace immediately after graduating from university. He holds important position of administrator and CFO of the company. Sudhir is also an avid photographer. Sudhir's love for the art. began as a hobby and soon transformed into a consuming passion rajasthan's spellbinding spellbinding life landscape and heritage has been a deep and long lasting inspiration for him so these photographs have received international recognition and they are appeared regularly in leading journals all over the world but let's start with the love of jewelry making as a person i make contact with the jewelry first and then the eye contact so welcome sudhir in today's episode and tell me all about the start of this journey what is the first memory that you have of recollection as a child of jewelry and the art of making fine jewelry see as a child i used to often come to my father's shop here and there were some very beautiful uh, old uh, uh, silver elephants you know which had bells on both the sides and i remember coming to the shop and just playing with those bells tingling them and that is the first memory that i have because they were two fairly large size uh, silver elephants you know with hoda and uh, mohawat and everything and uh, very in, uh, in fact we still have those pieces in our collection so that's the first memory of my coming to my father's shop and then off and on of course like um, coming and seeing him work and attend to the customers uh, like uh, nowadays this fashion of learning jewelry designing and all has come up in those days there were no design schools or uh, gem labs where you could go and get yourself trained so this is perhaps in our blood i have grown up seeing all the beautiful jewels and jewelry that was being manufactured in our uh, jewelry house and that's how i picked up jewelry and uh, having a lot of uh, love and interest for for jewelry so when you talk about institutes yes you're absolutely right today there are a lot of institutes that teach you how to do silver jewelry which i believe is an easier uh, you know way to learn but fine jewelry definitely requires a whole lot of training you know to do and but do you regret that you did not go into a jewelry making uh, institute ever not at all i think uh, the experience of my father and grandfather and uncles uh, was good enough to teach me jewelry manufacturing designing understanding good and bad jewelry um, the aesthetic part of of jewelry and that uh, you you learn i mean there is no end to learning you as you keep on growing you keep on learning and improving So Sudhir I think it'll be fantastic for the listeners to know what you mean by good and bad jewelry. <laughs> good and bad jewelry now if we talk for instance Jaipur is renowned and has been very famous for its kundankari and meenakari jewelry which is very artistic. Absolutely. And they are still doing this um, kundan meena jewelry in Jaipur but the difference between an aesthetically designed piece aesthetically engraved carved and enameled piece then what what we see today and those who have not seen that good aesthetic appeal um, sort of jewelry they wouldn't understand the difference between the good and the bad 
when you compare them side by side and you analyze it, then you realize that uh, what is good jewelry and what is bad jewelry. Just by um, making a piece of jewelry with big diamonds won't make it uh, aesthetically beautiful, you know. Uh, you can have uh, big diamond jewelry also, but if it is a beautifully designed necklace or a ring or a brooch, whatever, so that's where you say good jewelry and bad jewelry. Even artificial jewelry uh, is very, very beautiful. But as I said, the design part is very important. So you mean the finesse with which the work, the karigari has been done? Karigari is the craftsmanship. You mean the finesse uh, of it when we talk about good, good jewelry? Absolutely. Uh, the finesse, you see, to make a good piece of jewelry, the karigar has to have patience. Nowadays, what I find is everybody wants to make a quick buck. If, if, if we, you know, there's a book by T.H. Handley that was published in 1886 on the art of Jaipur enamel. And in that book, he has illustrated some beautiful pieces that were, that were made then. And also there's a chart which shows how many months or years it took for that particular piece to be completed. Now, this is the kind of patience the workers had. They were just there to create the best of the best. But that sort of uh, spirit we don't find in the modern day karigars. Uh, at least that is what I feel when I see what products are coming nowadays, particularly of the Jaipur enamel work, vis-a-vis uh, -vis the products that were made. 100 years or even 75, 80 years back. So that's the difference as we were talking about good and bad jewelry or good or bad piece of art. So that's... Uh, I completely that's agree with you actually. Because, you know, my grandmother has left me some of the, her heirloom pieces and in Bengal we have a lot of, uh, you know, stone setting jewelry. It's uh, done, you know, in very fine gold. And even now when you turn the back of it, you know, the neatness in which the stones have been placed, you know, is unbelievable. It is smooth as a baby's bottom, you know. When you, see, see, this is something that I once asked my father that the back of the, of the say, for instance, enamel jewelry, you don't see the enamel, you only see the front portion uh, studded with stones like diamonds, rubies or amulets. Then why do they have to... Uh, you know, waste so much time. So he said there is something called art. And when, when a wearer wears that jewelry, the skin feels the jewelry. Like for instance, you can have a piece of glass cut into a diamond shape uh, of three carats and you have a real diamond. Apparently for a layman or, or from a distance, it will just look like diamond. But but the, the thrill that the wearer or the owner gets out of wearing that piece of jewellery makes it beautiful. So, so you not only wear jewellery to, to show or that it is to be seen, but I feel that uh, you feel uh, that feel-good factor is there when you are wearing a good piece of jewellery and a bad piece of jewellery. Absolutely. I completely agree with you because I'm a huge fan of jewellery. I love jewellery. I love traditional jewellery hugely. 
I'm a Bengali that, myself. That I could very well see when I met you. Yes. <laughs> I was trying out every piece that was there that you were showing me. And, you know, of course, I can't get over that beautiful, absolutely fine duck and the peacock that you had made with that little pearl drop. And so I just want to ask you, you know, that is there um, any new designs that designers today, who, you know, come out from design schools, do they endeavor to do that? Or is it the same traditional jewelry that still is being... No, uh, no, no. They definitely come done. out with good designs. But okay. the inspiration are our old traditional designs. You know, for instance, in Rajasthan, we had this enameled, uh, uh, what you call now as choker is known as Adia. Now they have these um, uh, chokers made of diamonds, not necessarily uh, of uh, enamel work. But the basic inspiration or the design is our traditional choker design or what they call chandelier earrings. We call them jhumkas. Yes, jhumkas. Now there are, uh, uh, yeah, so now, see, interestingly, in English, you only say earrings. At the most, you describe chandelier earrings. But when I say Bali, when I say... Um, Jhumka. Uh, Jhumka. Uh, when I say Kanful, they are all earrings. Yes. Chand Bali. They are all earrings. Absolutely. But we have uh, specific names. I mean, if a customer comes and says Chand Bali, I don't have to show him a Jhumka. You know, I know what Chand Bali is and what she or he knows what Chand Bali is. But if you just come and say earrings in English, we only say earrings. You know, or at the most, like for Chandbali, they call hoop earrings or something. Yes, they call so, it hoop earrings. Uh, mm. That's the beauty of our Indian jewelry, and we have names even for uh, ornaments worn on the wrist. You know, you can call it just bracelet. But here, when we say kangan, kada, uh, in Bengali, pochi, we call it you know, the bala. All these, huh? So we have different names for the different designs or Absolutely. different styles. And these are what is inspiring uh, the modern uh, designers also. Ultimately, if you see what is being created today and you go back to 100-200 year old jewellery, there is a lot of similarity but in a different style. But the basic inspiration is our traditional old jewellery. A lot of clothing designers also yes. who are getting into jewellery now. I mean, Sabe Sachi has got this huge name also all over the world for the kind of jewellery that he does. So do you think designers yeah. who are into clothing, do you think they are also kind of, um, you know, taking away a certain part of the market that was traditionally, uh, that traditionally actually belongs to the expertise of people who've been in this business for very, very long. And do you think a brand name does no, no, uh, but, but, have an appeal? No, no, you know, I would customers? say it is good. The brand name promotes that jewellery, but... But uh, a lot of his jewellery is being manufactured here in Jaipur only. Okay. I know that. So not necessarily only Jaipur. He must be getting things made elsewhere also. Okay. Uh, but uh, that is giving uh, employment to more uh, karigars and, and promoting, you know, these fashion shows and like, you know, the certain jewellery which goes well with sari will not go well with your jeans and toppers. Yes, but then there has been a shift now because a lot of lot of people are wearing Indian jewellery with uh, their jeans and their shirts and I think it's a phenomenal combination. It looks fantastic on people who can carry that off, you know. Um, talking about uh, customers, just share some anecdote with our listeners, you know, that would be really nice because, um, you know, some anecdote that you really remember when you started your career or now that you've been really, really long in this that, uh, you know, would show an insight into jewellery buying in well, India? Uh, I've been, 
I've been fortunate enough to meet many of who's who of the world uh, during our uh, course of business or or uh, sale of jewelry. If talking of interesting incident, I'll talk. Uh, let me narrate. You know, I met. Uh, Lady Diana and Prince Charles, when they were here in 1991 or 92, they had visited Jaipur and I had the pleasure of showing our jewelry to them. Okay. And then uh, just when Lady Diana was leaving, I thought I must give her something beautiful from Jaipur, uh, a very traditional uh, pair of earrings I picked up to be uh, presented to her. So as a memento of her Jaipur visit. So when I handed over the earring to her, I suddenly realized that it had, you know, pierced tears um, uh, sort of, uh, you know, at the back. And if you, a lot of foreigners don't have their ears pierced and they have clip-on types. Yes. So I started looking at her ear. She was taller than me, they're taller than I am. And uh, she looked at me and, and looked at the earrings and uh, very gracefully admiring the earrings, she commented, you know what, I would have got my ears pierced for these earrings. They are so beautiful, even if I didn't have my ears pierced, you know. So oh, that how wonderful. That that's I one of the greatest forget. Wow, that's quite, that's such a compliment. Yes, and of course, I it saw is. for myself. The kind of things that you've and it stayed back in my heart and of course I'm planning to come down you know and uh, I yeah they were just absolutely gorgeous especially those boxes also that you showed me I, I would really like you to tell my listeners about those boxes because I came back and I told uh, you know my friends about it and they were like amazed because we've heard about these sort of boxes that we used in the earlier days my grandmother had you know one box and um I don't know where it has gone now, but who are the people who pick up those little, little boxes to keep little things that are, that had that absolutely fine enamel uh, work, you know, inside the lid and all the stones on top. So what kind of customers are they from India who pick up those absolutely well, gorgeous, there, there exquisite are boxes? from India also okay. and uh, foreigners also, like when you, when you see these uh, auction houses, Sotheby's and Christie's, there are so many art objects studded with diamonds and rubies and sapphires and all kinds of precious and semi-precious stones, be it swords, daggers, boxes, all made here in India. So there were collectors who would who would buy, you know, as I said, it is it gives you a personal pleasure. You can have a simple cardboard box, and when you have a silver box or a gold box with intricate carving or beautiful enameling or studded with precious stones, it, the kind of pleasure that you derive out of it is uh, um, not, I, I can't describe it, but uh, th that's why they were making, uh, using this art, just not in jewelry, but in manufacturing of beautiful art objects. Absolutely, yes. And, and I think jewelry is one of the best ways, you know, to express yourself. And uh, but now let's just talk a little bit about the photography, Sudhir. I mean, I am been staring at the book that you gifted me, and I couldn't get over all the prints that I saw in your um, office. So tell me a little bit about your photography journey. When did it begin? And of course, you showed me all those reels and uh, you know those negatives that we used to call in the earlier days. 
yeah. See, How did I it start? Am, I started photography when I was in seventh or eighth grade in school. Okay. And ever since, uh, this photography hasn't left me. It is, it is a passion. Did and, you ever uh, think about switching into photography fully? Well, I, I know there were a lot of people who saw my work and said, "Are you a professional photographer?" I said, yes. "No, I just do it for pleasure." Okay. Because um, I, I had my other source of uh, means of earning money, my my traditional family business. So I just kept it as a hobby, but I did get a kick when my work was published in some book or some magazine or some international magazine, and that kept on inspiring me and encouraging me. And uh, you know, I'm from the old school, and uh, uh, what you see today is all digital, digital, digital photography. But I still enjoy uh, doing uh, um, you know analog film photography. Okay, and that's where you really feel that you've created something. Uh, this is uh, my feeling that when I develop a film, print it, it it gives you a different uh, feeling altogether. But the I think it's very fascinating. The feel is different. It's very fascinating how photography has changed today because you know of the phone cameras that's available. Uh, so a lot of people have, you know, they have but, the ability but as now. I said, Again, any anybody can click a photograph with a with an iPhone or a digital camera. But then again, the same thing is that anybody can make a jewelry. But one one jewelry or one photograph that appeals to you, that has aesthetic sense, that has sense of composition, makes the world of difference. Just by clicking randomly pictures, you don't uh, really become a photographer. <laughs> Yes, you don't. It is about the composition and the subject. So I've seen yeah, your it's, subjects. It's, it's a it's a kind of art. It's a different form of art. And good that people are recognizing photography as an art form now. Um, earlier, when photography was just invented, people didn't consider it as an art. But today, it is definitely an art, like a like a painter who paints. Uh, this photography also is an art. So you do a lot of portraits, am I right? No, no, I I do all kinds of photography, but uh, portraits, interesting portraits. Yes, I do. Okay, fantastic. But I love shooting life and people, documenting the lives, going to the villages, to the countryside, and surprisingly, now when I visit the same places, they have transformed. So I I think my my photographs that I've shot uh, in last twenty thirty years. Uh, will uh, they have already become history? But at least for posterity, the people will know how this place was, how the houses were. Now, when I go to those countryside uh, villages, all you see is pakka houses, no mud houses. You see tractors instead of belgari, uh, uh, aerial TV antenna aerials on their rooftops. Uh, nothing existed ten, fifteen years, twenty years back. So that has changed. So the new generation, new generation would only know by the photographs, the old photographs, uh, what it was. I mean, that's part of history. That will be part of history. So tell me something. You mainly your photographs have been in Rajasthan, right? Through all your travel within well, uh, Rajasthan. Because I've been, uh, I'm born and brought up in Rajasthan, in Jaipur. I love Rajasthan, and uh, it's the most colorful state. You see, yes, it the is the kind of 
colorful clothes the women wear here the traditional clothes the traditional silver jewelry the ethnic jewelry is unbeatable no no other part in the country or in the world i would say is as colorful as rajasthan so and since i belong to this place i've been traveling a lot in rajasthan i keep clicking pictures of rajasthan and my heart is there in rajasthan <laughs> will remain there your soul remains in rajasthan so tell me before i end this episode i need you to tell me what is that one piece of jewelry on women that remains your favorite no uh, see the the hasli in yes. rajasthan they wear a hasli which is a stiff sort of necklace yes and uh, in in village now you don't see that many but it was a very traditional part and and in beautiful forms beautiful shapes the hasli was made so that's something that adorned the uh, neck of uh, our rajasthan damsels and in their colorful uh, red and uh, bright red and yellow and green uh, orni and uh, you know we call it orni and base and, and not sarees but they wear that uh, orni the ghagra choli right yeah ghagra yes. choli right yes the ghagra choli and i have also a number of haslis that i have picked up the rajasthani haslis and i think they look fantastic when i wear them thank you so much for being on this podcast and as we end let's just say that keeping calm is secondary but wearing jewelry is primary thank you sudhir for being on thank today's you. podcast thank you so much and i look forward to seeing you in bangalore or i am coming to jaipur to go You're on a ride welcome. on the vintage I, I cars hope this time when you come you have more time then i can re- i can really show you jaipur and rajasthan through my eyes oh i would love love that absolutely because rajasthan remains one of my favorite places in india and i visit it every year excepting for the years of covid that i couldn't go but i never miss out winters in rajasthan well, and unfortunately this, <laughs> this covid is spreading fast so may, uh, maybe after 3 4 months th- yes things will improve and that's when you should visit Absolutely so thank you so much Sudhir for being on today's podcast to you our dearest listeners you can find us on your favorite streaming services find us on Spotify Amazon Music Apple Podcast and of course all other major streaming services with loads of love we are Moody Mohawas podcast where hatke is hot